Hey, my name is Leon and I'm one of the pastors here at HDBB and I'm really excited to talk to you today. Last Thursday was Ascension Day. Now, in case you're wondering what this is, uh, it's a day where the church celebrates the ascension of Jesus as he rose into heaven. To give you an idea of the chronology, you see, Jesus is raised to life on Easter and then for 40 days, he appears and hangs out with his nearest and dearest. Then on the 40th day, he gathers his disciples for one last pep talk before rising up into heaven and essentially empowering them to continue the great work that he started. Now, although Ascension Day isn't typically top of mind when it comes to thinking of key events in the Christian calendar, it is hugely important for you and for me because it gives us insight into the topic that I'm going to talk about today, calling. But first, what is calling? You know, what does it mean to be called? I've always been a little hung up with this word. You know, I'd hear about it in church and, and secular contexts as well. But if you're like me, I don't know, I've always felt that this seemed like a very distant concept. You know, you might be like me and thinking, well, you know, my job is kind of boring. I must be really far away from my calling. Or maybe, you know, you're thinking, I haven't even graduated, nor do I even know what I want to do. Do I have a calling? I think partly why we can feel kind of distant is because we tend to associate calling with a sort of vocation, you know, with a role uh, or a job or even a program. And yes, God does call us into particular roles that enable or even drive that calling. But what Jesus makes clear is that calling is more relational than vocational. And that while there may be different ways of enabling or driving our calling, at the root of it all, we are all called towards the same goal. And that is to know Jesus and out of that, to be his ambassadors, bringing a little bit of heaven here on earth. And it is with this understanding of what it means to be called that we are going to unpack how we can find security in who calls us, what this calling looks like, and how we can sustain and grow in our calling. Our passage for today is Acts 1 verse 6 to 11. Now for a bit of context, up until this point, Jesus' time on earth has been quite a ride. You know, he has preached, he has healed, he has raised people from the dead. He himself died and was resurrected. And now we witness his last moments on earth with his disciples going up into heaven. Let's read together. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set these dates and times. They are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday 
he will return from heaven in the same way that you saw him go. Now, on first read, I don't know about you, but to me, this story seems a little bit sad. You know, I mean, Jesus has, hasn't even left yet. And the first thing his, his disciples ask is, Lord, has the time come for you to restore Israel and restore our kingdom? You know, it's a little bit, kind of reminds me of that kind of classic inspirational sport movie type of narrative, you know, where you start with uh, a team that's kind of pathetic, you know, uh, lots of unimpressive players, no trophies under their belt, and certainly no real hopes of one either. And then comes the, the coach, usually some really insightful coach, albeit slightly unorthodox, who sees something special in, this, in these players and is ultimately able to bring the best out of them. That's Jesus in this case. I mean, to be honest, the comparison kind of breaks down here because I don't think, at least to my knowledge, I haven't seen a movie where the coach then dies, comes back to life, unless there is some sort of weird B-grade zombie movie that I'm not aware of. But you know, you get the point. They've been through so much with Jesus, you know, and, and they not only had him as a mentor, but also as a great friend. And they asked this really innocent question with a great longing and, and almost pining for Jesus. But Jesus just replies, the Father alone has authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. This might have seemed like a little bit of a letdown for the apostles at the time when you consider the socio-political landscape um, of that period. There were two key issues that they were facing. Firstly, the rapid rise of the Roman Empire. By the time the book of Acts is believed to have been written, the Roman Empire had already controlled the entire Mediterranean world and had you know, extended its reach to present-day Britain, North Africa, and even Asia. Caesar, who was at the center of all of this, was seen as some sort of a god. And so the fact that he was central to this made it very problematic also for the early church. Now, couple that with the fact that you also had, well, rather the apostles would also have to manage the polarity between the Jews and the Gentiles, you know, and you've got a recipe for uh, strife, let's say. Now, in case you're wondering a little bit about this, this dynamic between the Jews and Gentiles, uh, last week, Aaron uh, described it very helpfully as the Jews being kind of like the Bumiputras. Um, so you can imagine the apostles now going out to preach to them, saying that the kingdom of God was for Jews and Gentiles, i.e. non-Jews like you and me. You can imagine that would have been a pretty tall order. But by asserting his divine authority, Jesus is encouraging us that despite all the uncertainty, that we need not worry because we can trust in the one who has sent us. Jesus makes it very clear that our calling starts with knowing who God is. And this is good news, especially when we look at all the uncertainty around us today. You know, we, have, we are still navigating a pandemic. There are ongoing wars and just a lot of injustice, both globally, but also on Malaysian soil. But even if things seem a little out of our control, we can know that ultimately, God is a good father who is in control. 
And it's with this view that we're able to plan our contingencies, whether it's for our business, our household, or even our studies, but still have a secure hope in Jesus through it all. Corrie ten Boom famously said that worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, but it empties today of its strength. In the same way, if you're feeling a little overwhelmed, thinking about what's next and what isn't in your control, then you can know that your future is secure because it is found in Jesus, because it is fixed on Jesus. Later in the book of Acts, we read about a man named Paul. Now, Paul was bent on stopping the gospel from being spread. But even for someone like him, God's calling for his life was secure. All it took was one encounter with Jesus to catapult him into being enemy number one of the early Christians to being one of the most influential figures of the Christian faith. And in one of his letters to the Romans, he famously says in Romans 8 verse 28, and we know that in all things, God works for good for those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. But what does this mean for us today? Well, it's the assurance that no matter how aimless we might feel, our calling is not found in something, but in someone. And that someone is our Lord Jesus Christ. This means even if you don't know what to do, make Jesus your first point of call. Be honest with him about how you're feeling and then ask him to help you see as he sees. I love what C.S. Lewis said. He said, look for Christ and you will find him and with him, everything else thrown in. Your calling is secure because your calling is in a God who never changes and never fails. But God is also a practical God, so there's work to be done. Now we understand who calls us, let's take a look at what we are called to do. God wants us on board. In verse 8, Jesus says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, this is quite abruptly followed by, <laughs> after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. During his ministry on earth, we've seen Jesus do incredible stuff. But then he very quickly says, okay, well now, over to you. Have you ever experienced imposter syndrome? You know, it's this totally irrational feeling where you might well be the smartest person in the room, but you still feel like a fraud. This is something that personally I struggle with and, and, and continue to struggle with sometimes as well. This feeling of not being good enough. Be my witness in all to the ends of the earth. Well, I'm barely even a witness in Kota da Mansara, you know, but the good news is that it's not about us. Progress is often hindered by the fear of failure. But when we realize that it's not about us and that we can step into the authority of an almighty God, there's a certain lightness that comes with it. 
And that's what God wants for us. Because in Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And then he goes on to say, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yes, we have a big role to play in God's kingdom, but it doesn't depend on us. Remember the clue that Jesus gave us earlier. God already has everything under control. You see, unlike business where exponential growth hinges on scalability, in God's economy, we are included not because He needs us, but because He wants us. God wants to invite us along on the journey for no other reason than because He loves us and wants a relationship with us. You are loved by God. Now, when we look at it this way, we don't face what's in front of us out of sheer necessity or even duty, but out of gratitude, with a sense of excitement, knowing that God has an amazing plan and that we get to be a part of it as co-heirs to God's kingdom. But here's the next question. If we are called to be ambassadors of God, well, does that mean that we need to work in church ministry? Miles once said to my wife, Andrea, and I really helpfully that God doesn't call you out of things, but into things. Now, sure, some of you may be called specifically into full-time ministry, but if you're not sensing that, or it's maybe not affirmed by people that you trust, then chances are that God probably wants you to do your part right where you are right now. In fact, you could even argue that you'd maybe have even more reach being in a secular setting. You know, I've personally been able to bring a lot more people to Alpha when I was in the thick of my corporate career. And it's been so encouraging to see how many of these people uh, that I've worked with in the past become a part of the HDBB community. So what does this look like in our day-to-day? -day? In verse 8, Jesus prefaces our call to be his witnesses with a disclaimer that says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. By ascending into heaven, God has in fact drawn closer to us than ever before. By his Holy Spirit, we can experience God's presence, not just among us, but in us. And as a Christian, because we have Jesus living in us by his Holy Spirit, chances are you've probably pointed to Christ in more ways than you can even imagine. You know, this reminds me of a really funny story of uh, someone who comes to HDBB, uh, who, let's say, was stopped at a roadblock for going slightly above the speed limit. And I won't mention a name because, you know, just don't go over the speed limit. But by right, um, if you have committed a road offense, then by right, the police officer would stop you, um, ask for your license, explain the offense, and then either let you off or give you a ticket. But once in a while, you maybe get a rogue officer who maybe adds in an extra line to the script. So, macam mana? Or, so how? A very ambiguous line with very clear intent. Unfortunately for our friend here, she got one of the so-how officers. But rather than trying to weasel her way out by arguing or even giving the bribe, she just apologized to the officer and immediately just asked for the ticket. 
the officer was stunned, you know, and then he tried again to, to explain a little bit more detail, a bit less ambiguous this time, you know, saying that, oh, but if I were to give you the fine, it's going to be a lot more than this kind of pocket money that I'm asking for. To which she just replied, yes, I understand, and I'm so sorry, but you can just give me the ticket. The police officer paused, chuckled, and then asked, you Christian girl? Or are you a Christian? Oh, by the way, I think she might have still paid the fine. Uh, but what's noteworthy in this is the fact that just by being her, she had already done her part in pointing someone to Jesus. And the fact that he was able to come to that conclusion so quickly probably means that he had many good experiences with other Christians. Although it probably also means that he's seen his fair share of Christian road offenders as well. So maybe that part, uh, not so good. But you know, in the same way, because we have Christ in us, we can walk in our calling wherever we are right now. Even if you're in a job that you don't really enjoy, you can be an example of Jesus to your colleagues. Even if you're in school, you can be an ambassador of Christ to your teachers, your lecturers, and even your peers. And you know what, even if we slip up, which, you know, I do all the time, there is no so-how kind of police officer waiting to catch you up because that debt has already been paid by Jesus on the cross. This means that all we need to do is turn directly to God when we mess up, say we're sorry, and He will put us back on the right path. Your calling is secure because Jesus wants you on board. So how do we grow then in our calling? How do we sustain it? Well, growth involves both our being and our doing. And just as we become like the people that we hang out with, by intentionally putting time aside to spend with God, you know, sharing our thoughts, uh, letting Him know how we feel, and then also allowing Him to speak to us by reading the Bible, we then become more like Him. And the more like Him we become, the more naturally that will flow out into the things that we do, the things that we say. But we can also encounter God through other people. You know, it's interesting that as the disciples are left straining their eyes, you know, trying to keep Jesus in view, suddenly these two mysterious men in white robes appear right next to them. And they ask Him, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Now, we don't know very much about these two men. They're believed to be angels, but what we do know is that they model the role that we can play around those of us who maybe like the disciples um, are perhaps struggling to see Jesus. Now, at this time, the apostles didn't have the Holy Spirit in them yet. So the two uh, men provided some comfort by representing a little bit of heaven on earth, reminding them that soon they will not only have Christ's presence in them by the Holy Spirit, but that one day He will come again to restore this world. Mark Knight, our principal uh, of our theological college, SPTC, preached uh, a couple of weeks ago about the topic of unanswered prayer. And I really recommend you watch that. It's an amazing talk. Maybe you know someone who's feeling a little helpless, 
but like the two angels, you can come alongside them to be that glimpse of heaven to a world that needs hope. The kingdom of God is both now, but it is also not yet. It is now because we are carriers of Christ and therefore are able to operate in the authority and power that he shares with us. But it is also not yet because Jesus will return again to bring full restoration. And when he does, as it is written in Revelation 21 verse 4, he will wipe away every tear. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the order of things, for the old order of things has passed away. A perfect world ruled by a perfect king. Your calling is secure because it is fixed on a secure God. Your calling is secure because it belongs to God. Your calling is secure because it is powered by the Holy Spirit. Shall we pray? Lord, I thank you that you are a God of ultimate authority and that you have a plan for each and every single one of us, Lord, even if we can't see it. And Lord, I thank you that we are all called, that we are all called to be like you, Lord, and that that burden is light because there is no credentials required to walk in that calling, Lord, because you equip the called. And so, Lord, I pray that you come now by your Holy Spirit. Would you help us to be aware of what you want to speak to us even today, Lord? And I pray that as we draw near to you, that you would reveal yourself to us and that we would become more like you and out of that, that we would reflect your likeness to those around us, Lord. May that be how we operate and walk into our calling today. And as we were praying, I, I just get the sense that maybe some of us here, that, that there is a, a specific call into ministry. And if that's you, uh, I'd just like to, to pray for you right now. Lord, we thank you. Uh, that indeed you do call us into specific things at specific times. And if there is anyone watching, Lord, who, who does feel a, a call towards ministry, Lord, I pray that you would make that um, clear to them, that you would give them discernment and wisdom, Lord, in making these decisions. And we ask for your favor and we ask for your joy as they explore what this could look like. And maybe for some of us, we might be feeling, well, none of this really resonates with me. I don't, I don't particularly feel called um, into anything. I'd love to pray for you. Lord, I thank you that, that the burden is light and that we are simply called to just be like you and to abide in you. And so for those of us who maybe feel like we don't have uh, a clear plan, Lord, I pray that you would give us um, joy even in just the process of our day-to-day. -day. Would you help us to see you in the little things that we do? And Lord, I pray that you would help us to see the fruit of the impact that that has, that even those little things have on the people around us.
We thank you, Lord, and we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.